Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the program, everybody. This is actually Keeper's Mind Cool Proper. I am Keeper. I am your host. And you've heard, if you're listening tonight, thank you very much for doing so. In the last, uh, oh, I guess 11 days, you've probably heard a whole bunch of things coming out of North Dakota, Standing Rock, uh, Dakota Access Pipeline, and it's stopped and it's not stopped and it's going forward and it's not going forward. And the Army Corps of Engineers is doing some kind of, you know, study, and they're they're saying that they're going to go ahead and put out everything out there, in, in, including the public's comments and things like that. Um, and during Monday night's episode, um, I, I I guess maybe I, I said some things that were offensive. I did not mean to. Um, I had no intentions of obviously hurting anybody's feelings or, or expressing an opinion that was contrary um, other than perhaps in my own mind. And I had said that the pipeline's going to go through. The elders know that. People know that. I know that. You know that. And something, if not verbatim, very, very close to that. And I guess maybe I should clarify my comment because a number of people got upset with me. And did not tell me why. This is, you know, I, I have I have had to kind of, you know, hopefully, um, definitely on the outside understand what I might have done wrong or what I actually did do wrong, at least in the eyes of those at Standing Rock. Um, my statement saying that the pipeline will go through. Uh, comes from a place of knowing how the government works. And I know those at Standing Rock also know how the government works. Whether it goes through where it is or goes through downstream or goes through upstream or somehow is routed in a different fashion, that is, that is, that is what's going to happen. And I don't want to make people mad. I, that's not at least not in this particular instance. There are times when I do want to make people mad because I want them to think. But that was not my intent in this particular situation. Uh, my heart is up there with the people at Standing Rock, and I wish that because of the things that are going on, more were paying attention to the kinds of human rights violations that are happening. When you are being sprayed with water in 20, 21, 22, 20, anything below freezing, that's a human rights violation right there. doesn't matter if you stay there or not. Just a simple act. doesn't matter if it was high pressure or low pressure. It makes no difference. It's freezing cold 
and you're getting sprayed with water. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that that, ca- that can cause frostbite. It can cause cardiac arrest. Uh, it can, I mean, a myriad of things. And really what I want to say is that I did not mean to I did not mean to hurt anybody. I did not mean to make anyone mad other than people that don't know about this to get them to think about it because I like to get people to think. And if I can make them think through anger, if I can make them think through humor, which I prefer, um, or even simple discussion. And I don't understand, you know, how it all works. You know, the, the kinds of things that have transpired throughout the history of, you know, how our federal government has treated indigenous people, Native Americans, and I, I mean, I, I don't know the terminology, okay? I simply do not know it. Um, I, I'm, I'm, honestly, I'm coming from a place of ignorance because I'm not there. I've not had the discussions, and I don't honestly know. So please accept my apology in the utmost humblest because what's going on is definitely wrong. I see that, I understand that, and I know that within my core. And, you know, I I, I really, you know, I, I feel terrible. I really, nobody has really come to me and said that you did this wrong or that wrong. And I just know that there is something out there that I said or I did that upset a whole bunch of people. And I don't like that. I don't. I don't like making people mad for no reason. I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna make somebody mad or hurt somebody, I usually have intent. You know, I mean, it. it uh, maybe I'm digging digging a deeper hole here, but I do apologize, and I hope you will take that um, sincerely because I mean it that way. Not just because I'm a public figure. Not just because I'm on the radio. Not just because, you know. I'm, you know, don't want to be viewed as, you know, a douchebag, a bad guy. I honestly mean it. Um, There has been so many bad things that have transpired throughout history. I get it. I see it. I know it. But my words are not meant to hurt. My words are not meant to solidify. My words are not meant to uh, bring any bearing or put forth any kind of movement that I don't necessarily agree with, certainly in regards to Standing Rock. And, you know, I, I, I really, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words and when it comes to this. I, you know, I, I, I wasn't looking to hurt anybody, make anybody mad, obviously. I just perhaps see things differently and lack understanding of how the other side sees it. And I want to understand. I honestly do. I want to know, you know, what I did wrong so that I don't continue to do it or do it again or anything like that. I'm that kind of person. Um, in regards to today, um, being Pearl Harbor Day, in honor of the 75th anniversary 
remembrance, which is a better word, at least in, in, in my view, remembrance, because it's not something that you actually want to celebrate Pearl Harbor Day. It's not one of those kinds of things that you want to celebrate. Pearl Harbor led the United States into war, and we lost over 400,000 people. In combat, if you didn't know that number, I would be surprised by now because this is, you know, World War II. And maybe we'll get into that discussion a little bit later on in the program. I'm waiting for confirmation to see if uh, there's a song prepared tonight. And this does does kind of go out to everybody. It's not just, you know, after-the-fact Americans, if you will. You know, and I said, you know, it's time to stop being African-American. It's time to stop being Japanese-American. I'm sorry, my message didn't get to you. Um, I'm going to... I'll put it put it back in there. No, not that word. Oh my gosh. Um, so I'm sorry. I'm, I'm you know this whole thing about Monday really really has me kind of down and and kind of backwards. A little bit. Um, I had a really good day at work. Got a lot done. Um, it, it ended up being cold. But, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about, you know, a couple of different things tonight. We're going to be talking about Donald Trump. We're going to be talking about constitutional objectives. We're going to be talking about uh, a myriad of different things because, you know, the way shows roll, I just I just have a tendency to go with the flow when it comes to that. So, in honor, 75th anniversary of, uh, yeah, 75th remembrance of Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941, 7:54 a.m. in the morning, over 300 planes descended upon Pearl Harbor and pretty much, not completely decimated our naval fleet. So uh, we'll be right back after this. This is Ayla Brown. Don't go away. Coming back.
Dennis Ava Brown, such a dynamite voice. If you'd like to hear that kind of thing and more of her new music, go to alabrown.com. Download it, buy it, check out her concert locations, where she's going to be, when she's going to be there. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. If you have a question or a comment and you are listening online, please dial that phone number, 424-258-9220. You're going to hear a short recorded message. After that message and you hear the show again, please press the number one button and somebody will answer your phone call. I might make you wait for a little bit because right now we're going to bring in Matthew Lieber, a gentleman that has defended the border, a constitutionalist. He's been in the military. He is a father, husband, and all around a really good guy. We're going to be trading some some fun comments back and forth. Oh, he just dropped. Wonderful. Hopefully he'll be back. Um, I have a feeling that he'll be back. I told him that the intro there wasn't going to be that long. Yeah, see, yeah, there he is. He's back. Um, Go ahead and put him live, if you would, please. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Matthew Lieber, um, a gentleman that I became acquainted with at the, uh, not the actual beginning of the huge border push, um, but certainly a short time thereafter, And this man actually stood on the border, protected the border, closed the border, turned people around, sent them on their way, um, and made sure that, you know, America was safe with a whole bunch of other guys. And if he wants to go into where that location was, he's more than welcome to, but I'm not going to sit there and say it. Uh, Welcome to the program, Matthew. Thank you for being here, man. Hey, Keeper. How you doing, buddy? I'm hanging in. I'm hanging in. So, uh, you know, we we got into a a little bit of discussion the other night. Uh, you know, talking about, you know, Donald Trump and things like that. And we, if I'm not mistaken, we're both in the mind of being hopeful that this cat does the right thing, you know, actually does right. what he said he's going to do. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, um, well, I'll, you know, I'll just tell you from the get-go that um, on election night, I had a lot of fireworks that I had to clean up out of my front yard and my front driveway and backyard. <laughs> and I were, probably were, those were they falling from the sky or or did you actually light them off? I let I lit them off. I was making some noise, man. You know, I, I live in Charleston and uh, I live in a community that uh, it's kind of a mixed community as far as uh, people that have come down from the north to enjoy our our great climate and our low taxes and things like that. So, yeah, I was having a great time that night. But I'll have to be 100% honest with you. 90% of it was because I was thrilled that I was done with Hillary Clinton. That she's (laughs) not going to be my president. Now, yes, I I have... I wish I would have been there. (laughs) Yeah. I had a good time, and and people, and I'm I'm periscoping live now with you on your in your radio show. So I just want you to know that I'm, I am periscoping. Got a lot of people that are going to be tuning in, listening. Uh, well, well, awesome, welcome. Thank you for for the, thank you for tuning in. I'll, I'll give them another shout out and uh, drop the phone number again here in a little bit. Okay, yeah, but um, yeah, I have um, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about Trump. I um, let me put it to you this way: I will take someone who not, who not necessarily understands all aspects of the Constitution 
as opposed to someone who absolutely has a clear understanding of the Constitution and rejects it. And, and or how to get around it, yeah. And that's what Hillary Clinton was for us. And if we'd have lost this election, I don't think – I think it's going to take some time. History is going to – we're going to have to have some days go by before history is going to be kind enough to under, to let us even understand how close we came to losing America. Let, uh, let me I ask really, you this. Let me ask you this. All right. Uh, with everything that I'm that I'm you know paying attention to, I don't watch television. Okay, I listen to uh, a couple of different radio stations on my way to and from work. Um, and other that, other than that, I'm usually doing my own research. And in regard to that, I look at you know I, I try and pay attention to the Democratic side, and everybody wants to call them the left. And when I when I look at the left. I always see them as being left behind. You know, they're, they're forgotten about. They shouldn't be here. They're doing the wrong thing. They say the right thing all the time and absolutely do nothing about what they're saying after the fact, once they're elected. The whole well, – well, well, not necessarily the whole left, but a large majority of the left think that Donald Trump is a dictator or a, a, a tyrannical entity, certainly – um, they're worried about the appointments that he is looking at. Um, yeah. They think that pretty much everything that the right was thinking if Hillary Clinton was elected, that America would be gone. It's you know it's going to be completely yeah. tyrannical. You know no more rights. You know the, the First Amendment. Yeah, throw that out the window. Second Amendment would be completely abolished, um, in which they don't even completely worry about because they like gun control, which is actually using both hands. So give me your take on that kind of, you know, coming from sort of that kind of viewpoint, you know, and how you see that in regards to the way things are going with, you know, who Trump is like, you know, nominating and putting up there in his cabinet. Yeah. Well, first let me address how you, you kind of characterize the left. The left is not uh, an entity upon itself to, in, in itself, to solve problems. That's not what they're about. The left is about gaining power. That's all they care about. And that's why they have so many subsections. Uh, they talk about having a big tent, but it's actually just a disorganized carnival. They have to appease so many different segments, special interest groups, uh, special groups themselves, in order to gain power. So, you know, they're not left behind as far as their desire and their fight to forever gain power, they are left behind when it comes to solving problems and having solutions. There, yeah, it's, it's historically that in any of their, you know, agenda items or any of their economic uh, ideas are, are just uh, absolute failures. You just have to look at the inner cities of America that are that have been democratically uh, in power for decades, and you can see well, I mean, what the result of that in mind, is. With that in mind, you could look at California right now. I mean, it, it, it <laughs> they're in you know utter debt. Their taxes are outrageous. Um, I keep telling my family that they need to move out of California. I left California almost 13 years ago now. Yeah, uh, and it. it you're you're right. I mean, 
the policies that the Democrats have put forward have done nothing but fill their own coffers. Uh, they yeah. say great things. The only time that they actually make an appearance in your neighborhood might be is election time. No, I... Case in point, you know, look at what HRC did. Where did she go? Where was she? Throughout August, she was nowhere to be seen. Nowhere yeah. to be seen. And when you look at, you know, Donald Trump winning the amount of electoral votes that he did, where was it that he spent his time? He went to all 50 states, reportedly, and I, can, I haven't been able to verify this, but he went to the states that were where he thought industry needed to be returned to, places like Pennsylvania right. and it Michigan. Was it was strategic. Yeah. I mean, they have this infamous blue wall of, you know, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and uh, even Minnesota, which is which is a, a tight, very tight result. And they and the Democrats decided, you know, they had hoped that that blue wall would would withstand any attempt from Trump, and they wouldn't have to actually campaign much there. And they and they didn't. To her detriment, but I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Hillary just wasn't capable, and she did not relate to the average American. She didn't have a message. When you when you talk about a middle class family, and maybe they're a union worker, maybe they're not, and they've lost their wages or their 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 wages are stagnant. They've lost their jobs, and and, and you know they, they they've taken two jobs because of Obamacare. And all these things. I mean, enough's enough. You can only you can only push people uh, too far. And you know, Trump's message resonated with you know, it was simple. It was to the common man. Is what what do you have to lose? I mean, I mean, give me a chance. I mean, your inner city, Chicago. There's 60 shootings a weekend. What do you have to lose? Why are you staying? And, and he was talking to the minorities themselves he was directly. And that's yes. what Republicans. Uh, nominees try to avoid most of the time, but he said, "Look, what do you have to lose? You you're on the Democrat plantation. They ask for your vote every four years. You give it to them, and uh, without question, what you got the result. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at <laughs> when you look at the definition of stress." This is this is what I'm kind of comparing the Democratic Party to, or people that vote Democratic all the time. You know, mm-hmm. you keep doing the same thing, hoping for a different result, and nothing has been changing. I mean, when no. when you look throughout history, okay, and people people on the conservative side continually wish to put Trump up on the same pedestal as Ronald Reagan, okay. When you look at it, I don't want to do that. I really don't want to do that. Not yet. It's too early. And the reason I say that is because of this. When Reagan was president, he wasn't perfect. I absolutely understand it. Got it. Right on board with you. Right. At the same time, people had jobs. He was talking, yeah. you know, limited government. The government is the problem. That's not the solution. And people today especially those that wanted to vote for, you know, HRC. I just can't say her name. There's just, you know, I, there's a couple of names that I don't want to say, and that's one of them. Um, I can. I just, I just refrain from it. Um, when you're looking at her, this was going to be a continuation of the last eight years. Failed policies over and over and over. Yes, okay, Obamacare, 
the Affordable Health Care Act actually did a, a certain uh, a certain couple of good things by making sure that people could not be denied insurance because of a pre-existing condition. Okay, yeah, got that. Really, all they did was expand Medicaid. The only good part of Obamacare is the expansion of Medicaid, which is subsidized health care by the citizens that are taxed. That's right. all it is. Okay. And, and it was designed to fail, and we, you know, we we all kind of know that um, because <laughs> yeah, Hillary coming in with single payer, and that's one of the things that we are going to talk. You know, in history is going to let is going to be kind to to Trump in a way in 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 the, in the fact that he stopped that momentum towards single payer getting a supreme court system in well no and no that's really no, no. he hang on hang on Matthew he's he's he, he that's what he is looking towards is single payer health insurance okay or or um uh health insurance savings plans where people are paying mm-hmm. into something that don't necessarily need insurance nope. at the time, but they're paying into it so that at some future point they may need it. Okay. Well, this is what, what we'll pay or this is akin to this this is akin to privatizing social security. And you know, the government government's hands should not have, you know, been in social security to begin with because it was sold at the beginning to be an insurance policy. But that's right. not what it turned out to be. It turned out to be a slush fund for the federal government to do whatever they want. It's a Ponzi scheme where they're collecting a certain amount of money and then hoping that whatever their payouts, their the revenue coming in will always cover their payouts. And that's the essential definition of a Ponzi scheme. Yes. So, yeah, there there are some of those really socialist ideas of governing that Trump and Hillary kind of have in common and not so much, you know, not to the extent that Hillary wanted to to implement. I mean, who knows how far she was going to go. When I say single payer, I mean the government is the only one paying the medical bills. Not, right, there is okay. no help. And at least Trump right. has talked about opening up the, the state barriers allowing insurance companies to do what they're supposed to do, and that is sell insurance. And so yeah. uh, doing it across state lines, that's, that's, to me, that's a great idea. We need government to get out of the way of commerce. Anytime that you've seen free market ideas, uh, ideals uh, set loose, you have nothing but prosperity and, and, and solution of problems. But anytime you have centralized government planning, you always have failure and waste and abuse. And that was exactly Absolutely. what Hillary meant. Yeah. You know, when you look at, you know, the raw data, okay, um, and, you, and you pay attention to what Trump is doing right now, he is already, you know, four months ahead of the game in mm-hmm. the appointments that he's made, okay? Um, it took our current presidential representative four months to actually go ahead and name somebody for his cabinet, the first appointment. Donald yeah. Trump is, hit, I mean, he hit the ground running. People right now are so focused on General Mattis that it, it really does kind of blow me away. And this is outside the health care issue. This is moving on a little bit. Um, people are freaking out that we've got, I, I think it's three, maybe four 
different yeah. minerals that are being appointed or you know suggested as you know a, a person on the cabinet. Now, when I look through the, the short history of things, General Mattis is somebody that I do respect, I do admire, and I would love to have someplace in a, a cabinet position. Secretary of Defense, great. Okay. Yeah. People are turned off by his comments. Uh, you know who are those? They people? love his who tactics. Those, who are those people? Um, all all over what, there on the left. Well, that's right. That's what we need to focus on now, because you understand that right now we have 37 Republican governors, we have 34 state houses, we have 34 state representatives, we have the House, we have the Senate, we're about to have the Supreme Court, and we're ha- and we have the executive branch. It it's we have come to the point where we no longer have to listen to the left. We no longer even have to ask what their opinion is anymore. And this this whole notion that we must unify the country, I'm against that because, in a sense, let me explain. I don't think that I need to unify with the left uh, to solve problems because their their problem-solving is a failure. And so, you know, elections have consequences. And so, you know, they didn't care what our opinion was when they crammed Obamacare down our throat with not one single GOP vote. So at this point, I'm for – I didn't send my representatives to Washington, D.C. to implement leftist socialist agenda. I, I right. sent them there to do conservative constitutional things. I know with Trump you're going to get some nationalist, populist kind of um, ideals. And we'll have to just wait and see how that works out. But I definitely don't want to see any more socialism being a part of the agenda because the problem with socialism is if you eventually run out of other people's money. And I'm all for the, you know Trump and this America first kind of uh, frame of mind and all negotiations and all uh, you know ways of looking at any issue or any problem, uh, foreign or domestic. I'm for that. I'm I'm glad that Trump's doing that. My only concern with Trump is that there's going to be some times where he's going to cross that constitutional barrier. And what I mean by that is there are political barriers that are set up by our founding fathers and the the like the executive branch and the uh legislative branch has enumerated powers. They had powers that that was their purview. And what I'm afraid of, and, you know, the comment with the flag, I know it's not like a huge national crisis or anything, but, you know, Trump did say that he thought that someone that burnt the flag should be uh, criminalized, uh, lose their citizenship. And, you know, I'm not for that. I, you know, I'm, I, I served in the military 10 years, and I served my federal government 10 years after that. And I also served as a, a citizen activist on the border in different areas. And I've, I've always defended the rights of my fellow man, my fellow countrymen, as long as he didn't infringe on my rights. And so – exactly. And I, and I do believe that we have to be a vanguard when it comes to Trump 
when he does things that are unconstitutional or out of the boundaries of what the executive branch's purview is. And we need to be actively watching daily to see what this what what he's doing. A tweet is a tweet, you know, and and, and we have to see what you know, accept it for what that is. But if he really starts to do doing things with a pen and a phone that are unconstitutional, you know, Texas versus Supreme Court in 1989 ruled that burning the flag was a uh, constitutional First Amendment right. Whether you like it or not, I think you're an idiot if you burn the flag. But in America, you have a right to be an idiot. You have a right <laughs> to, to succeed, and you have the right to fail. And when you fail – you do not have you do not have the right to an expectation that your neighbor's wealth is going to be confiscated by the federal government to bail your ass out. So if you there fail you when when you fail in burning the American flag, you should be ostracized. You should be economically penalized by your community. And, you know those kind of measures. But I'm not. I don't want to go down the line of Fidel Castro and have political prisoners. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, talking about that, you know, since you brought up that, um, I don't know how many people caught the fact that the Jeep that was taking his 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 cremated remains from point A to point B broke down and had to get pushed. Yeah. You know, how's that communism working out for you? Let's get serious yeah, here. Really. Um, you know, I actually, I actually heard something uh, in regards to what you were just talking about uh, earlier today. And it 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 was a little bit of a little bit of fear mongering in my line of thought, and it, it actually kind of made me mad. And I was like yelling. Uh, what was said? This is this actually came off of Sean Hannity, uh, and I take that back. This was yesterday. I didn't hear it today. It was this was yesterday. Maybe did I hear him today? I don't know. Yeah, well, I heard a little bit. All right. Because I was under a house most of the morning, or most of the afternoon, excuse me. Actually, I was underneath the house all day. I take that back. Um, he was talking, and it. I'm I'm really fearful from you know restating what he said, uh, because this gives ideas to radical Islam. It gives ideas to not necessarily radical Islam, but other lunatics that might be able to get hold of a um, you know sh- shoulder fired rocket or something like that you know he was talking about something that would scare him he lives on the east coast put it out there that this would be los angeles and that made me mad that somebody could get hold of a service to air missile launcher, rocket launcher, or something like that, um, and fire it at one of these planes that's coming into land. Well, I can understand that point of view, but at the same time, I see it as fear-mongering. When we're looking who, at General who, who Mattis... Ask your question again. I didn't hear you. Uh, who was saying this again? This was Sean Hannity yesterday. And he was saying that he had he, that, that he had a fear what, that what, this technology was out there. Him, the- yeah, what scared him the most, okay, and then, it, then he compared it to like uh, it, uh, 
uh, Israeli planes, you know, commercial passengers, com- commercial yeah. airline. Okay. So that's what he compared it to because he thinks, and I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what he was talking about. Somebody out there in Los Angeles could fire a shoulder-fired rocket, whether it's an RPG or, you know, a, a lock-on device or something like that, at a commercial jet landing because they're traveling pretty slow. They're slowing down. They're getting ready to land um, and take out a whole bunch of people. That's That would scare him to death. That is what he said. It would scare me to death. This is what I think about, quote-unquote. This is what I think about. That scares me to death. And he compared the um, unknown fact or fiction about whether or not commercial airlines that fly into Israel have counter-defense weapons like flares or whatever it happens to be to be able to defend themselves against something like a, a rocket attack from ground level. Right. And it seemed to me that he, it, he was fear-mongering. And looking at that, in comparison to where President-elect Trump is going and how the Republican Party has always been, well, war, 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 we're going to go push this and we're going to go dictate that, from the left comes into play, it just strikes me as, well, you know what, wait a minute. The Republican Party has not always been about war, but they have been pushing a certain agenda to go into Kuwait or go into Iraq or in Afghanistan like we are right now well, and ha- have thanks. these wars. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's this interplay across the Democratic think, and Republican lines that, that a certain portion of the people really aren't paying attention to. So give me your take on some of what I'm talking about here, and, and do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, I'm kind of up in the air a little bit. Well, you're, you're talking political parties, and it's not political parties. What you're talking about is establishment and the industrial military complex. Um, when you know you have what's called the petrodollar and and the the, the fight of the elites and the establishments from both parties, Demo- Democrat or Republican, the establishment types. Now this is what is anti-Trump. This is I mean this is averse to what Trump is. Trump is national populism. So the establishment. Is harkens back to the the uh, the uh, the speech that uh, General um, after World War II became the president. Uh, I'll think of his name here in a minute. But 1954 gave a speech. Eisenhower. Eisenhower, yes, Ike gave the speech about uh, military-industrial complex and warned against it because. It's an entity that grows upon itself. It needs wars so that it can create its, it can, can continue its production of arms. So it needs wars so it can continue its production of arms. It's a vicious cycle. Now that that is something that a, a Trump supporter or someone who is thinking, oh, well, Trump's going to bring all these wars on, they should actually be thrilled that Trump won. Because we're talking about HRC, who took us to Libya, who was who was very vocal about Syria, wanting to take out Assad, uh, was very involved in, in Egyptian and the mother uh, the uh, Muslim Brotherhood and the uh, Arab Spring, all this yeah. chaos that was going on in the Middle East. They were war profiting 
to the max. That's industrial military complex, uh, you know, 100%. Now, what Trump is talking about is more of a America first thing, a nationalist populist thing, and they compare it to Russia and Putin, which is an easy comparable, and it's not a bad thing to compare Trump to Putin in this way because Putin does care about Russia. He cares about Russia first. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, necessarily mean that Russia's interests uh, dovetail with America's interests, but at least Putin does care about Russia. He cares about what happens with Russia and their interests. Now, we've had a president for the last eight years and beyond, I can make Mr. a solid that, that did not care about America's interests. I don't know if Bush went to war with Iraq necessarily over uh, 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 weapons of mass destruction. I hope so, but I don't know if it was just a, a you know a quarrel with the guy that had a fight with his dad. I, you know, I don't know, but that's military-industrial complex in a nutshell to continuously create these small wars, protect the petrodollar. See, you know, when Iraq, when 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 Hussein invaded Kuwait. He didn't just take Kuwait. He said that he was going to start uh, selling oil in uh, a different currency and not yes. in the dollar. And that was what was more alarming to the elitists and the establishment and the industrial complex here. That was that the oil was no longer going to be just traded in dollar. And, and that's what's gotten us into a lot of wars. And, you know, in Trump's speech yesterday at Fort Bragg, he said, we're not going to be going to foreign lands and fighting in, in, in you know, foreign entanglements. And that's, that harkens back to the, the language of George Washington himself when he said, do not get yourself entangled in foreign conflicts, fighting the wars of Europe and Middle East and those, these other things that don't interest them, don't have America's interest at heart. And I'm all for that. I'm a libertarian at heart. Okay, so you know I'm viewing Trump as a libertarian, and whenever whenever he espouses these libertarian views, then I'm excited for for you know Trump being my president. The only time that yeah. I ever get wary about Trump is when he starts you know espousing these views that would trample on man's rights um, that are guaranteed by the Constitution. I mean that our rights come from nature, come from God, whatever that is for you. The, the Constitution just uh, guaranteed them. Those rights yeah, were already there. And there's so a, there's this huge, huge battle about that. Uh, you know, it, always. And, and, you know, your faith is your faith. Period. Plain and simple. Your faith is your faith. It's not my faith. It could be my faith. It may be similar. It's not the same. The faith that you have in something is always different because of who you are, not because of where you placed it. Okay. Yeah, but that um, doesn't change it, what your rights are. They're an alienable no, right. Which they okay, it absolutely be- does not. Okay. I don't want to go. I really don't want to go to to you know that particular arena because that is that is a topic for uh, like a five hour program. Uh, I heard. <laughs> let me get let me get your view on Angela Merkel. 
the Prime Minister of Great Europe of Germany right now. Um, once upon a time, she said, "Everybody is welcome. Doesn't matter where you're from, where you're going. Just come here, and we'll take care of you." Uh, no, a few, less than five years ago, and now because she's coming up for re-election. And this actually does kind of tie into uh, Trump being elected and Brexit for Great Britain, who I most mostly always call England because that's what I knew it as as a child. Been mm-hmm. there, love the country, my family's there. Um, when it comes to what she's doing right now, because she wants to get elected, now she is trying to ban the burqa. And this does tie into kind of the whole political forum, the whole political arena of what we're looking at with Trump being elected, trying to put America first, Great Britain back in July, uh, voting as the people said to get out of the European Union and everybody that is there, uh, the same Mm -hmm. political players are there, the same ministers are there, the the whole upper apparatus is still there. And they're trying to delay it, debunk it, and, and you know take their time and drag their feet and, and push back against what the people want. So Angela Merkel, prime minister of Germany, is trying to get reelected. Now she wants to ban the burqa. People mm-hmm. are paying attention to what has, has you know happened um, this last you know first of year celebration. I hope that you already know that because I would really prefer not to talk about that. She now wants to ban the burqa after inviting all of these immigrants into her country and all across Europe, basically, because that's what happened. Do you yeah. think that she, she's going to get reelected, or, or do you think the people are going to shoot her down? Or I mean, yeah. any any well, any thoughts on that? Well, I lived in Europe. I lived in Germany for five years in the nineties, and so I, I have a I'm, and I speak German. I speak fluent German, and so I have a. a pretty good cultural understanding of Germany. And they're not unlike us in many ways. They have this right-left dynamic uh, that's always telling one another. But the thing is, in Germany, is you have it's a parliamentary system, and you have more than just the two parties. But, yeah, Merkel is doing just exactly what a leftist would always do. She's not focused on solving issues. She's focused on gaining power and gaining control. And so she has to say and do whatever's politically correct to do that. But the thing is, is that her party espouses socialism and the agenda is socialism. And what the problem with socialism is just you eventually run out of other people's money. And so uh, Germans themselves are seeing that firsthand they they see it in the streets with the muslims they call it, they're even calling them refugees you know the the whole the whole backlash about about just letting them just pour into the country i can't believe it that you know that that, that was allowed to happen i mean you already had a high turkish population in germany itself because of world war II guilt and other reasons but no, I, just like Italy, the prime minister of Italy just fell two days ago because he was he was promoting more of a globalist, elitist, socialism type agenda, and it got rejected by the the people. He's out. 
in England. Cameron is out because of Brexit. exit. Uh, you know, we've got Obama. His legacy is now ended because Hillary was going to continue it. He's out. Uh, Merkel is the last person really sta- – Holland in France. Holland, the socialist president of France, is not running for re-election only because he's looked at the polls and he's looked at the populace and he knows he can't win. There's this right. national fever that's crawling across the entire globe, and it's not just – it didn't begin with Trump. You know, it 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 began – it's a backlash to the globalism, these NAFTA agreements, these these, Absolutely. these Euro <laughs> economies. Uh, you know, and I so, see this. I, I see this whole thing, you know, as you push back against um, a, a, a centralized one-world government. People don't want that. They like the fact that uh, they have a certain amount of control. You know, to be able to say, yeah. no, this is not what we want. Um, anytime anybody's backed into a corner, they're going to fight more ferociously than you might imagine. Right. And these People are the kinds of things that are happening in, in so many different places. Um, you mentioned Italy. Right now, they're kind of still up in the air, and they just had, uh, I don't know, a couple thousand, couple hundred thousand people show up and say, no, we want to exit the European Union. We don't want to be there anymore. And, you know, there's nothing wrong at least in my mind, there's nothing wrong with being pr- proud of your country. Right. I, no, yeah. I, there's there's a certain, you know, there's nationalism and then there's a militaristic nationalism. And there's a difference. And, you know, when you, if you look at maybe Nazi Germany, that was a, a militaristic nationalism. Uh, I, Trump doesn't have any... Uh, you know, goals or, or he's not set out to say, look, as America, we're going to go and we're going to take Cuba and we're going to take Venezuela. You know, there's none of that kind of talk. And I, I don't think that, you know, there was no way that he's going that route. He he truly, I, I, I truly feel that Trump loves the country. He wants to push it forward. He has seen what happened with Obama, who is anti-colonialist. Where he where he he looks he views at Western countries that the, the, that their whole point in the 1800s and 1900s was to enslave the third world or take all the resources out of Africa and South America and all this stuff for their own benefit and they didn't do any good they didn't bring any government no hospitals no healthcare nothing like that and Obama just slammed America and actually wanted to punish us for the last eight years. And, and you know that that and that was exemplified by the fact that he took Churchill's bust out of the Oval Office. One of his first things that he ever did. And so you know I, I don't necessarily think that Obama loved America. He he hasn't lived most of his life in America. Now whether he's a citizen or not, we can argue another day. But I do truly believe that that Trump loves America. My only caution with Trump is. That if when he does what he does governmentally as a governor, I'm hoping that he stays within the boundaries of the Constitution. And I, for one, am going to stand up if he does not stay in his boundaries as far as what the the powers of the executive branch. The, The legislative branch is supposed to be the most powerful of the three branches because it has to come to people every two years to be reelected. It's not until it's been flipped 
right now the supreme the judicial branch and the executive branch has taken over more power and that as we as a people need to understand that that's the system that we that's up going right now but that's not what the founding fathers designed and we as people need to work through our representatives that are have to come home and listen to us and have to ask for our votes and we need to work through those people to restore the order of balance when it as it was designed by the founding fathers as the constitution was designed and that's my only fear is that Trump doesn't necessarily understand those things and may step out and people like me with whatever clout that I have I'm going to you know address that when it happens right you know the kinds of things that are that are going on right now and I actually had this conversation um, Saturday with a couple of people. Now is not the time to be timid. No. Now is is the time to maintain what it is you've been doing, which is paying attention to your elected officials. If they are doing something that is unconstitutional, if they are trying to dictate through decree, through executive order, even Trump. And I'm in agreement with you. I do believe that Trump loves America. I really do. Obviously, Mm -hmm. he loves money. And, okay, that's fine. Love money, whatever. I mean, if you want to succumb to the root of all evil, that's your business, sort of. When it reflects on your choices on how you, you, you are choosing to steer America as the president of the United States, that becomes a problem. All you got to lo- all you got to do is really look back across the last eight years, and even farther back, uh, when it comes to how America has been seared. Right. Not a lot of people understand that we no longer have value placed on the dollar itself, and it, this is even outside the petrodollar. The value of the money that you have in your pocket is not backed by gold or silver. It's not, okay? When you look at a dime, you can say, okay, this is a dollar with all of the taxes removed. And it's hard to say that. It's hard to really comprehend that, but that is kind of the way things work. When we're looking at this stuff and we hear the things that, you know, President-elect Trump has said – to get elected, and we'll see if this comes to fruition, and I hope that it does, when it comes to taxes, he wants to break it down instead of having seven different tiers of tax uh, brackets and drop it to three. The tax code it would be so much easier for everybody to understand. Right. When he I, wants I, I, to I, say... Go ahead. We've got uh, about, about four minutes before the top of the hour, but I don't want you to go away because we've got plenty more to talk about. Go ahead. Right. I've not seen a tax cut that I don't like, so I have no problem with that whatsoever. You know, just working through Congress and hammering out a three-tier tax plan, uh, that's great. And the, the biggest problem is that we what we have, and the leftists will rail against you if you say this, the Bernieites, they would scream and holler if you tell them that the corporate tax rate is too high. But in reality, America has the highest corporate tax rate on the planet. Now, how do you expect America to do good business and to make money 
uh, in trade globally, if we tax our corporations and our businesses higher than other countries tax their companies and corporations, the best thing to, to get the wheels of the economy roaring again would be to cut the tax rate back down to 15%. And right now it's at 36%. Cut it back down to 15%. Let these companies put their money back into R&A and R&D. And, and you know and 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 bring the money from offshore back into America tax free. What's the harm? What are they going to do? They're going to spend it in the economy. Is that a bad thing? What do they, what do you think rich people do? Rich people don't put their money under a mattress. They don't hoard their money. They spend their money. They hire. Well, they no, create. I got I got I, I got to argue with that. I really really do got to argue with that. Okay. Rich rich people. Okay, we'll spend money begrudgingly, and we'll, we'll probably get into this on the other side of the commercial break. But the, the people that have money will spend it uh, begrudgingly. They don't like to. They'll argue over every single penny in hopes to obviously get the best deal, which is what President-elect Donald Trump tries to do, and 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 looks like he is going to do and continue to do. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. Um, Matthew, thank you for being here. Do not go away, sir. I know we have so much more to talk about. Thank you to everybody that you are sharing this to through Periscope on your end. If you have a question or a comment, please dial the phone number 424-258-9220. You're going to hear a recorded message. Once you hear the program again, go ahead and press the number one button. Somebody will answer your phone call and see about getting you on live with us with your question or your comment. Please do not go away. Plenty more of Keeper's Mind Pool coming up right after this. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice that people make to accomplish certain things. If you're not mad, you're not paying attention. And if you're not paying attention, you're part of the problem. Hey everybody, this is Dave Bray, and you, my fellow patriots, are listening to Keeper's Mind Pool. At DaveBrayUSA.com. Definitely want to check the video out. I worked with uh, an organization called Lesman. It's a media watchdog for police officers when officers and, and law enforcement are being misrepresented in social media and these, all these different causes that are out there, you know, sort of pushing the blame. You know, they go out and they break laws for no reason just to prove that the cops, A, have to be police. They don't choose the laws they uphold. They uphold the laws because that's their job. Whether they're passive laws or aggressive laws, they go out and break them for the reason of to get a police response, which is just wasting taxpayer dollars, and I wish people would see that. These cops are putting themselves in harm's way on a daily basis. When your dad's a police officer and he goes to work, he straps on a gun and a badge. But these people are going into harm's way, you know, um, and it's, it's, an, it's an honorable job. It's one of the hardest jobs, and it takes a special person, and I think in this day and age, um, you know, we should be rallying behind them. But this one, this song, Last Call, is about a fallen officer sort of giving his last sort of will and testament over the radio after he's been in a gunfight and he's hit and he's pinned down and he's not going to make it and he just sort of gives his words. Emergency traffic only. 
Prince William calling, 1145. This is the final call for 1145. Officer Ashley Gwendon, end of watch, February 27th, 2016. May you rest in peace. You're listening to Keeper's Mind Cold. Wednesday nights, 7 Eastern, 424-258-9220. If you ever find yourself in or near Matthews, Virginia and want some great food, if you're hungry for barbecue or even just a family-style lunch or dinner, stop in and see Big Daddy and the family at Cobbs Creek Diner. Check out the daily specials and great homemade desserts. The barbecue is prepared and smoked to perfection on site, something you don't often see. So stop on by and say hi. Cobbs Creek Diner, located at 12 Linden Avenue, Cobbs Creek, Virginia, where 198 meets great taste. Hey, this is Jordan Page, giving a shout-out to Keeper's Mind Pool, and just tune in to These Guys Are Awesome. Hey, this is Mike. And I listen to Mom Pool every Wednesday. Welcome back to Keepers Mindful, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Um, if you are listening online, do me a favor, if you would, and press the follow button on that page. It will give you a request for your email address, and you will get updates when we are we're going live, when there is a program on this particular radio outlet. If you have a question or a comment, again, please dial the phone number 424 424- Two five eight nine two two zero, and you're going to hear again a recorded message. Please stay on the line. You'll be able to listen to, uh, able to listen to the show. Whatever, whatever that lady says. Um, and once you hear that and it's done, and you hear the program again, please press the number one button with your question or comment. Somebody will answer your phone call. We're talking with Matthew Lieber, and. You know, this guy actually went to the border, defended the border, closed it off, and said, you're not going to come this way. He is a father. He is a constitutionist, constitutionalist. And, you know, after listening to what he was saying on the other side of the break, I'm kind of thinking that we need to have maybe another term, not a label. I I hate labels. And this is probably what it's going to end up being. Um, But a constitutional libertarian yeah i mean when you when you look at the constitution and you believe and trust in it as a document that is not a living breathing thing it is there it is resolute set in stone kind of deal uh i mean if you can incorporate you know a libertarian view i'm kind of cool with that i'm 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 pretty okay with that i mean i had um, the Constitution Party candidates 
for Virginia's first district seat for Senate in Virginia. I had um, John Castle on the program, or excuse me, uh, Daryl Castle on the program with me. And, you know, they're constitutionalists. There's a certain certain thing. There's definitely middle ground that people can work with um, and, and share ideas with. And that's what something that, – that is something that too many people are afraid to do is, is discuss and share ideas because we're so defensive and, you know, we're so politically correct and worried, worried about, you know, upsetting somebody or making them mad. You know, we have to be willing – to listen to what they have to say and and look at it and go, okay, well, this is what they're saying. Is this what they mean or is this, you know, what they're trying to imply? And actually think about it for a minute. People all too often, I am completely guilty of this. I have listened to reply instead of listened to understand. And obviously, there's too far you can go with either direction. But you know, we've got to understand things too. We have to be able to, you know, take a moment, listen to what is being said or presented, and try to understand it a little bit. You know, there, there's so much opposition across the board. I mean, can you argue with that, Matthew? No, and I would not. And you know, and. I think I giggle a little bit when you talk about libertarianism and it being unique and those things. But the more I study the founding fathers, the more I am convinced that they were all libertarians because the core basic element of libertarianism is that I do not infringe on your rights and you do not infringe on my rights, period. You can do whatever you like as long as you don't infringe on my rights. And I can do the same thing. Now, you have to have limited government. I mean, Jefferson himself said that government was a necessary evil. But, you know, for certain areas, especially in modern government, we've gone well beyond what was established by the founding fathers. The legislative branch is where I have my biggest beef because – we have we have nothing but bureaucratics running the legislative branch. The alphabet soup agencies from BLM to all these other agencies that cause all the problems in the, the Bundy, like Oregon and North Dakotas and everywhere, they've all given up their powers, their legislative congressional enumerated powers to these bureaucratic uh, alphabet soup agencies to wield their power, and that's where they, they are wrong. And, and, and that's where you have to build these relationships with the, gov- the, form, the government that is closest to the people, and that is the, the uh, House of Representatives and to a Senate to, to an extent, but mostly your House of Representatives, you have to have a rapport and a relationship. I mean, I was – my wife and I are in the office of, of our, our representative is Sanford. We're in his office once a month, and you know whenever we can meet with him, and we're discussing things, and we're and, and we're we're looking at the current events and and what's going on, and and how do you feel about TPP? You have to have that kind of rapport with with these people. 
there was a story in Tennessee back in the old day. Davy Crockett was running for Congress, and he went he went out west, and he was going back home to Tennessee, and he was running, and he was asking for this farmer's vote. And Davy Crockett had voted for these uh, French refugees from the French Republic, uh, the the revolution that was going on there, to to get a little bit of hand out, a little bit of help out, a charitable thing. And he asked this uh, this farmer what he thought of it, and the farmer said, "Hey, listen." Why do you think that it's okay to give my money to someone who is not an American citizen? What gives you the right to do that? Now, yes. when Davy heard it from this farmer, he had this rapport with this guy, and it, it struck him. It wasn't like he was being uh, mobbed or picketed or rioted or protested on the streets with signs. He actually had a relationship with this farmer that lived next door to his piece of property, and it made him think, wow, yeah, hey, maybe I shouldn't have taken money out of the treasury, out of the coffer of the treasury, the taxpayer's money. I was not being a good steward when I gave the money to foreign French nationals for whatever reason, you know, without a, a law being passed. And, and that's the thing is that we as Americans, we don't know who our representatives is. I guarantee you that everybody listening here today right now does not know who their school superintendent is. They don't know who their town manager is. They may know who their mayor is. They may know who their sheriff is, but they don't know who their town manager is. And when it comes to government, the town manager is hired and the school superintendent is hired to collect federal money through Title IX to distribute it back through the state system, back through the schools and counties, so that, and then they have to know how the, the laws work so they can guarantee that money coming in. And so that's where the system is broken down, is that it's not our elected officials running anymore, the controlling anymore our government. It's these bureaucrats and these alphabet soup agency guys that are run amok, and they're there forever. They're unelected and out of control. You're, you're dropping truth bombs that not a lot of people really understand. And that's yeah. dynamite. But we got a hammer it, Keeper. You and I, if it's just you and I, it, you know, I do it every night on my periscopes, and I, I try to get a large audience when I can. But that, that's the thing. We've all, as citizens, we always want to talk about rights. What's my rights? I got a right to this. I got a right to that. But what are your duties? What Do you know what your duties are? When Franklin right came out of the uh, Constitution. Me, Matthew, I got to interrupt. I got, I'm sorry, I got to oh. interrupt. Okay. When you talk about, you know, you're absolutely right. When you say my right is this, my right is this, my right is this, and then you bring in duty into that interplay. What is it that is right that we should be fighting for, that we should be pushing for? I want people to think. Okay. And okay. That is that. Is, I mean, I I I need to interrupt just just that that real brief point because we mm-hmm. do have to think about what is right to do, and it's not just about mm-hmm. opening the door for an old lady or your neighbor or whatever whatever it happens to be at your local convenience store or department store or whatever. Holding the door, you're awesome. Thank you. That's that's a good thing to do. It's a right thing to do, but at the same time, we've got to look at the right thing to do when it comes to paying attention to our elected and uh, the, the subsequent appointed officials. Right. And, and see, and that's, 
and when I say duties and rights and duties, they encompass the same thing um, when you bring it all back home. Because if you if you hearken back to the time when the, the, the Constitutional Congress signed the Constitution in Philadelphia, the Constitutional Convention, and Benjamin Franklin was taken out. He had gout. He, could hardly, he couldn't even walk anymore. He was being carried. And a woman walked up to him, and her name was Mrs. Powell. And she said, Dr. Franklin, what do we have? A, a monarchy? And he said, you have a republic if you can keep it. Now, he said that to a woman, if you can keep it. Now, back then, a woman could not vote. She did not have the right to vote. My children that are teenagers do not have the right to vote. But those people can actively keep the, keep the republic by holding the people that are in control accountable for the decisions that they make and how they represent us, whether they are uh, overusing their power in a, in a bad way or whether they are underusing their power and not doing the things that they should do. The congressional branch has full control over the Supreme Court. Do you understand? The Constitution says there, there must be one Supreme Court. So in all actuality, Congress could devolve the Supreme Court to want to Chief Justice Roberts sitting at a card table with a candle in the dark. That is one Supreme Court. There is nothing in the, in the Constitution that says there's nine, 15, five. In fact, there were five when Jay was running the Constitution in early days. So Congress should have more say over the judicial branch. And when they go, I see the left pushes all their legislation through the judicial branch. They do not push it through their representatives. Everything from Roe v. Wade to the recent Marriage Act, every bit of it went through the Supreme Court. Now, Congress needs to, pardon my French, Republic Revolution language, they need to get off of their ass, and they need to start impeaching judges that are not strict constructionalists. And that's the problem that we're having is that we have a runaway judicial branch, and we have a runaway executive branch now. We have a, a president who has set a precedent that I have a phone and I have a pen, and I will do what I want with executive orders. So you have both of those executive – you have both of those uh, uh, branches of government that are run amok. Now, again, what is supposed to be the most powerful branch of the government? It's the legislative branch. And they are being, pardon my French Republic Revolution language again, but they are being chicken shit, and they are not stepping up to the executive branch and saying, you're out of your purview, judicial branch, you're out of your purview. You know that in the Constitution, all they need is a congressional quorum of 25 senators to say, hey, you can't touch health care. You can't even take a case that has anything to do with health care. Congress well, let me, let me, can do <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you know why uh, Congress has not stopped the current presidential representative or POSOTUS, as I like to say? Do you have any clue? Of why? What was the question again? Do you have any idea why Congress or the House, to boil it down, why the legislative branch has not done anything to stop our current presidential representative. Because they, they, they've bought into the I've got to 
secure my power and my control. So I have to secure my my office. See, the Democrats, when they hold office, they wield power. When Republicans hold office, they hold office. That's what they do. They don't wield power. And so that's that's part of it is that Republicans are, you know, before Trump were too scared to do anything that was considered non-PC or, or stand up to the media or stand up to the executive branch and be an equal side of government. They, you know, they, it's all, it's, you know, our, all of our problems can be centered back to the legislative branch giving up their powers to the other two sides of the, of the, of the three uh, uh, branches of government. If we could yes. embolden All right. our representatives, we, we could let, stop. Let, let, me con- let me continue my, my, my thought there, okay? The reason I ask that, okay, and you're right um, in at least half with your answer, they, they, they have become feckless in doing the job that we elected them to do, obviously, and they are only worried about maintaining their status and their location of uh, their particular level of power. Yes. To also add to that, this is something that's coming from the other side. And when I say the other side, you know, this, I'm, I can't completely agree with it, but I do have a certain amount of respect for this particular viewpoint. The legislative branch has not used their power of the purse or any other measure to stop our current presidential representative because he is black, because they are worried about being labeled as being racist. Hands yeah, down. Well, that is the, that is the uh, left uh, left side, the left viewpoint, and their their go to thing every single time. Right. Now, when I look at when I look at everything that happens on a day to day basis with the people that I deal with every single day, I don't see any of that. I don't experience any of that. I don't push any of that. I'll hold you know a door open for anybody. I don't care. I go to work with people every single day. And they don't have an issue with the color of my skin. This is something that they have such a disconnect with across the board. And there's been video after video after video when it comes to when, when it comes to white people saying that well, black people have a harder time getting to you know getting a, a voter ID. That's that's garbage. That is absolute garbage. Okay, this yeah. is this is something that comes from the left. And it has continued to come from the left for pretty much since day one. People may not know that the Democratic Party founded the KKK. Right. The KKK was the 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 militaristic arm of what it was that their agenda was all about. Look into your history; you will find out that it is actually true. It wasn't the Republicans. It wasn't the white boys from the South that did this. It was the Democratic Party, and there were people that you know were Democrats in the South. Yeah, sure, they didn't go fight the war, and if they did, their family was on the side of the North. 
You got to know your history. You've got to look this well, stuff up. Well, what you're talking about is identity politics, and and yeah, the left did use that kryptonite of of white guilt, or you know, if you're against Obamacare, then 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 you're a, a you're a, a racist, a, you're a bigot, a, or whatever it happens uh, to be. But let me tell you what Martin Luther King said about these thing, about this thing in 1968 when he gave that memorial speech, uh, memorable speech. He said, "When the architects of our great republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir, dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal." Now, what Martin Luther King was saying that we weren't all necessarily cr- treated equally during our whole uh, existence as a country, but our founding, fa- founding documents, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, made a promissory note inside of them. All men were created equal, and it was dedicated to that proposition, and that it eventually – they knew it would happen. There were there were obstacles when they were writing the, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. I mean, the laws of Virginia forbade you to release your slaves. If you released your slaves, they could be uh, uh, arrested by a bondsman and resold. And that was the main reason why Jefferson didn't sell his slaves was because he was afraid that his slaves would be arrested and taken to a plantation that, where they were mistreated. And so and he knew that it was unlawful through Virginia law to actually release his slaves and, and, and that they would be free men. It was, in, it was an impossibility. Not only that, it's that there are deleted passages of the, of the Declaration of Independence that the Democrats, uh, the, the historic ghost of Democrats going back centuries, wanted ripped out of the Declaration of Independence where he said – that uh, slavery was a cruel war against human nature, and it violated its most sacred rights of life and liberty in the persons of a distant people, and it offended yes. – and, and the king forced slavery on the colonists, and then when the colonists rebelled, he em- tried to embolden the slaves to rise up against their own slave owners, which rarely happened, and, and so, you know, th- th- you know – w- Thomas Jefferson, to, to, today, me, you, Kiefer, talking on the phone or on the radio show, uh, my followers, your followers, we're all labeled racist because we don't agree with maybe this piece of legislation or this issue, or we stand for all human rights, and we don't, we're not for creating special interest rights for this group or that group, but that's an ancient attack. That, that's yes. Jefferson. Was attacked in that very same way, so yes. you know we keep fighting that, and we've got to reject that premise when people come at us with that racist stuff. In fact, they're yes. going to fail. Keep call, they keep calling us racist because all that's going to do is just going to ensure another Trump uh, election in four years. <laughs> you know when when I when I hear this stuff, what you're talking about, you know, I moved. To where I live right now. I live in Virginia. I live south of the Mason-Dixon line. Okay. Um, I left California primarily because it was so liberal. 
uh, and for other reasons as well. I mean, I, I moved across the United States to have my son, who is absolutely fantastic. He's 12 years old now. He'll be he'll be he'll be 12 years old in April, so not that far away. Uh, but when I had when I moved here, I didn't understand the history of America as I do now. I live about 30 minutes away from the historic triangle, the whole colonial thing from Yorktown, from Williamsburg, pretty much the, the kind of the foundings of the the building blocks of America. And I have met people. And I have interviewed people, both black and white, that have no issue with color, none whatsoever. Even before I moved here, I had a certain kind of prejudice. It wasn't against color. It was against performance. Who you are as a human being, who you are as an individual. And I based everything that I saw at that level. You know, do you have a work ethic? You know, when, when I come to a job and I see you, um, in my line of work, I'm a plumber. If I see you at a, a, a construction site, a new house, and you are building a chimney, for instance, are you slinging bricks? Are you laying the mortar? Are you building the thing with, you know, care and diligence? Or are you just throwing it up there because, you know, that's what you got to do? Black, white, Hispanic, I do not care where you came from. If you have a work ethic, if you have respect to your fellow man, which I witness every single day, and I still, I've still had conversations with people that have, you know, been treated as less than because of the color of their skin. And I have a great rapport with them because I don't treat them that way. I treat them right. how they treat that, me. Well, see, that's, that's where they need to cash this check that Martin Luther King is talking about, this promissory note that the Constitution of Founding Fathers had within itself that all men are created either you just have equal you just have to go and cash the check and demand it and so that's the great thing about the constitution it's called the 5000 year leap because everything before that was conquest theory and you know i was on your show uh, briefly the other day when there was a, an american indian on there and and he wanted to talk about how off it was that uh, uh, you know, the Americans or a white man had treated the, the Native Americans through history, and, and indeed they had. They had broken treaties and things like that. But I would submit that if all Native Americans went back and pointed to the Declaration of Independence and pointed to the, the, the Constitution and demanded that promissory note that all men had created equal and claimed the Bill of Rights for themselves, that they would get much further in life than they would if they, instead of choosing professional victimhood, choosing a professional, well, you know. Well, I, I, I don't think I don't think they have chosen that. I think that they that it might be a case of um, a blanket reaction to anybody uh, that that you know has a standpoint of the federal government. And I, 
I hate my government. I really do not like my government because it's doing the wrong thing. I would, you know, the the federal government is are the ones that have signed the treaties. They're the ones that have said yes or yes or no to this, and they're the ones that sat down to represent everybody else, and they have continued to do the wrong thing over and over and over again. That yeah, is the problem. The, the thing is, is the federal government is a it. It's not a they. Okay. Yes. So when the Constitution established the federal government, they established an it. And so it is not flawed. The thing that is flawed is the people that came in became the they, and they came into the control and, came and held the strings of control and power and misused them and abused them like they do today. And that's why people their, like me and you for the, are called For their own the personal people. gain. Right, for their personal gain or for whatever agenda they have. They're outside of their boundaries. They're working the system. But the federal government itself is an it. It is not a they. The they are the ones that we should be after and addressing. And, and you know, the federal and the, the elites or the establishment, whatever you want to call them, they want to subjugate us into these little subgroups so that we fight amongst ourselves instead of pointing our fingers at the real problem, and it's the they. It's not yeah. the federal government. The federal government does not have too much power. The federal government's Power is just misused by the they, and that's where we need to understand that that's we need to work within the system and remove those that those they's that are misusing their power and are not staying within their enumerated powers established by the Constitution. There's a lot of people that would argue that point about working within the sense working within the system to to you know negate. Those that have turned into they, which I completely understand your point. I'm right there with you. Um, you know, diligence has been lost uh, by the people. We're not paying attention to that anymore. We have so many other distractions to pay attention to. Um, right. When 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 we elect somebody uh, on the like stay on the outside, not really paying attention to the stuff, not not. Um, you know, following it up, you know, and, and reading about it the next day. You know, we elect somebody, take President-elect Donald Trump, for instance. We have mm-hmm. a tendency to say, okay, well, now that we have elected him, um, everything that, you know, he was talking about, he's going to accomplish, and we'll just go, go back to watching football and watching NASCAR and paying attention to, you know, Wrong. whatever tele- television program it happens to be that, you know, sparks our interest at the time. Politics is boring unless you've been following it for a while because it is it is a chess match at the very least or at the very most a checker match at the very least it, it you've got to pay attention to this stuff i mean you, you've yeah, got you to do. do your own due diligence and pay attention to what's right. coming out of the washington post what's coming out of the new york times what's coming off of the the associated press where breitbart is going where truth revolt is going where, where all of these entities that propose and push the narrative, you've got to get the whole story. Right. I know well, Jefferson- through, through secondhand or, or even thirdhand you know, point of view that Donald Trump reads like a madman. And you had said earlier that you believe Donald Trump 
truly loves America. I do mm-hmm. too. It may be for different reasons. You know, I think that Donald Trump loves America because he can make a huge amount of money and an insane, like, you know, prostitutional amount of money um, doing what he is doing, being our president. And I am with you when my hope is that he does what he says, you know, what his campaign promises were. Uh, Replace or repeal Obamacare if he wants to replace it or change it, I'm okay with him changing it so that more people benefit from it as opposed to completely obliterating it and, and, and have, have something else put in place. I am for him reducing taxes on everybody. Every other country in the world, their tax money, every other government entity gets their tax money. Well, I shouldn't say every, but the majority get their tax money from uh, sales tax, not income yeah. tax. Okay. Yeah. And when you There's... look at what he, what his plan is to have a three tier system, it works so much better. It really does. Mm-hmm. It simplifies the tax plan, and it scares a lot of people because you know all these people like Liberty Tax or H and R Block or um, even your local CPA is a little bit worried about it because. Am I still going to have a job because making it so simple, other people can go ahead and do this? There's people out there that if they're making the kind of money, you know, they're not going to want to have to do this. I mean, I'm looking personally, this is really weird. I'm looking at trying to get a maid to come up and, you know, come in here and clean the house. I don't know how many different maid, you know, maid services are out there right now, but people are actually going to work and making a living doing this stuff, cleaning somebody else's house. I'm sure that husband or wife or whatever happens to be you know, at home, they don't want to clean their own house. Hey, that's not my problem. I'm paying you for a service. You're actually yeah. working, which is awesome. You're making a, you know, a, I don't know if it's a living wage because I, we're still kind of, you know, at the beginnings of that type of service for people. But, yeah, I would love somebody to come in and clean my house because I hate cleaning. I don't like washing dishes. I don't like, you know, you know, washing clothes, everybody might, might hate that. There's probably somebody out there that like it. But these are the kinds of things, you know, that, that really build America up. We have exchange of money. And since we're not, you know, the dollar is no longer backed by gold or silver, it's transfer of debt, which is an illusion. At the same time, people are still, you know, being able to transfer debt in this way or this way or that some other way to be able to get the things that they got to get, paying your bills, you know, getting groceries for your kids, yourself, paying rent, paying the electric bill, whatever it happens to be. And when we're lucky enough to actually have a job, 95, 94 plus million people have stopped looking for work because there is no work. When Donald Trump comes in and says, okay, well, you know, this guy is going to pledge, you know, $50 billion out of Japan and have 50,000 employees, that sounds really good. We'll see what happens in the future. At the same time, the stock market is soaring because people are optimistic once again about investing in America. We have had, what, 15 straight days of record-setting stock market exchanges and things like that. The Dow closed over 250 points today, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. These are the kinds of things that people don't want to pay attention to or even look at. I mean, yeah. I do believe that Yellen is about to raise the interest rate or two, so 
Um, and, well, I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't. And, and right. if the Fed raises, if the Fed raises the interest rate, and everything's been like for the last eight years has been, you know, kind of you know hokey pokey when it comes to raising interest rates or not, or scaring people and doing this and do that. If the the federal government, basically uh, the Federal Reserve, who is also a private entity, a privately owned corporation that lends money to the United States um, in hopes to get paid back through interest, um, if they actually raise the interest rates 1%, that amounts to like a tenth of a percent at your bottom line, you as an individual. Yeah. And it, it doesn't sound like a whole lot. It really, really doesn't. But if they do that, you know, that 4.3% interest rate uh, that sits on your current mortgage is going to be 4.4. Right. It does, it, 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 people, if people were actually able to see what the federal government spends money on, your tax dollars on, where this went, where that went, you know, like you do every day as an individual. Okay, well, I've got so much money. I've got to pay the electric bill. I've got to pay the credit card bill, and I've got to pay the mortgage this month. And I have X amount of dollars to do that. How many times does one of them come up, you know, 10, 15, 50, 100 dollars short? The federal uh, government well, doesn't care how they spend their money, how, how they spend our money. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people. You know, I know a lot of people are struggling. Uh, you know, middle class that used to be upper middle class, and that's the reason that Trump got a lot of momentum is from these kind of blue dog Democrats that maybe were former Reagan supporters or would have been Reagan supporters if Reagan was running in this, in this time and age. But the thing, the thing that I just want to remind people, though, is that when it comes to economics, is that the more open markets that we are, the more, you know, Keynesian-type economics where we have free association. Anytime that if I'm in the market for health care and I have 15 to 20 different health insurance companies to choose from, they're competing for my business. And so I'm probably going to get a pretty good deal on the, when, when it's all said and done. But when you low, when government inserts itself, I mean, why does an aspirin cost $50 when you go to the hospital? It's because Medicare guarantees to pay that price. Medicare says, yes, we will pay $50 for that aspirin. So when Joe, the construction worker, goes into the hospital and he stays a day and he's required an aspirin, he has to pay $50 because Medicare is going to pay the $50. So that's the root of your entire problem is that the government is, is involving itself in something that is not constitutional and driving up prices instead of letting supply and demand and the invisible hand solve all of these issues and problems for us. How in the world do we have car insurance that works so great? How, do, how can I take my Ford F-150 King Ranch Deluxe truck and insure it for 600 bucks? How in the world can I do that? The same cost, you know, if, it, if I totaled it, it would cost almost six figures, but I'm still only paying $600. Why? Because the federal government's not in charge, not involved, 
not guaranteeing prices, not buying car insurance for poor people, not buying car insurance for rich people or mandating that they have to pay a higher price. And I will say it again, in America, you have a freedom to succeed and you have a freedom to fail without the expectation that when you do fail, the federal government's going to step in and confiscate your neighbor's wealth to bail your ass out. That's not the <laughs> way the founding fathers established it. If no, you fail not. in America, supposed to reboot and keep going. I have failed many a time. My best friend is a multimillionaire, and he has failed dozens of times. That's the American dream. Is that, I mean, Muhammad Gandhi said it himself, how can you say that you give freedom if you don't give the freedom to fail? If you don't give the freedom to fail, you do not have freedom. And so that's what the problem is in America these days, is that we, that we want to give these millennials and everybody – this safety net where they can never fail, they don't. They, their college is free, everything is took care of, they have a job, you know, whether it's academia, as soon as they're out of college, everything, there's going to be no problems. You've got the American dream, no struggles, no risk. You don't have to worry about reward. It's going to be guaranteed. And so they don't experience failure. They do, I, they can boil, not, I could boil some of that down for you there, Matthew. Enslaved uh, people in our place. <laughs> You know, I, I I work with a guy that's 23 years old, and he's been through struggles, and he does he does pay attention to you know my political rant, my 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 political point of view, and that's not to say that he's completely adopted it, but he does listen. Again, he's 23 years old. He's he's basically a millennial. Didn't go to college, graduated from high school. Is he's got a work ethic that you know pretty much blows me away. Um, he's not afraid of anything. And we were driving down the road the other day, and you know where I live, there people don't have a whole lot of gates up or fences up between their houses. So you can pretty much see into their backyard or their front yard or whatever it happens to be. And we we drove past uh, somebody's house, and there was a trampoline out there. And it had a net around it. And it, it occurred to me that having a net around a trampoline does not provide a child to learn their own boundaries. All of the things that are transpiring right now in our colleges, in our high schools, even in our grade schools, nobody is provided the opportunity to learn a boundary. They're already Mm -hmm. prescribed for you, proscribed or prescribed. It doesn't make any difference. You don't know where your limit is. If you have the ability to jump on a trampoline and do a double backflip and land on your feet, great. If you have the ability to jump on the trampoline, do a a backflip, and end up bouncing back into the thing, you don't necessarily learn your physical boundaries. This is the same kind of thing that be, that that can be parlayed into, you know, learning where you are where you can excel, where you don't have any 
uh, ability to continue learning something, you nobody nobody even in school wants you to learn anything that is outside a a, a particular set of guidelines. They don't want you to think outside the box. This is straight out of Common Core. And, you know, it, it does apply to a lot, about, a lot of what we're talking about tonight. If, if you are, are in school and you are learning a, a particular thing and you ask a question that the teacher can't answer, well, go look in your book or something like that, or, no, just stick to the curriculum is generally the answer because right now the way things are, you are there only to get a test score. How well the teacher taught what you are supposed to learn, period. That's what Common Core teaches. And it, when Donald Trump came out and said, turning education back to the states, that was one of the best things I could have ever heard him say. And yeah. when people, there are so many people that are that are that have moved away from public education because of the garbage that it is, and gone to homeschooling because you're going to get a more, uh, you're going to get an unfiltered education. you if you want to learn about a certain particular thing, as long as the rest of the things that you're supposed to you know supposed to learn are not neglected. Your mom, your dad, your you know your homeschooling education teacher is going to let you do that. You can't do that in public school. They don't want you to learn anything outside the box. Oh, sure, they'll sound like yeah. Go, well, you can go read about it in the library, and that's mm-hmm. that. That is exactly part of what we're talking about. You know, nobody thinks outside the box. Nobody does anymore. It's all. You know, this way of thinking, that way of thinking, purely, solely, it's story, and that's all there is. But that isn't all there is. You know, I have said on the show before, and you may have heard this before from me, Matthew. If you go to a bookstore and you you pick any particular topic, it doesn't matter what it is, and you pick up one book off that shelf at your bookstore and you read that book, you have one person's view of that topic. If you go to that same bookstore and you take that book and you read that one and then you go back after you read that one and you pick another one about that same subject, now you have two people's opinions. You go back again yeah. and you, you do the same thing. You know, you read 10 books on the subject, then you have enough information to be able to possibly build your own opinion about it. With your yeah. own understanding, well, yeah. your own growth, your own uh, interpretation of what every one of these other people have said, and Jeff, you know, you, there is something said, there is something to, to about education right now that does not make sense to me. Everybody gets a trophy for participation. You're not number one, but you participated, so you're just as good as whoever it was that won. No, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm a I'm a Tenth Amendment guy, so I, you know, I, when it comes to education, I, I want it at a state level. Uh, how can the, the bureaucrats or the even elected officials in Washington D.C. decide a uniformed form of education for my children in South Carolina and the children in Hawaii? I mean, it's just ridiculous. 
and why they think that they need to be involved. I, there was a study that was once done in, in Tennessee where they 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 figured out that they send eight eight billion or you know maybe eight million. You know when it gets up to these government numbers, you don't know, but eight million dollars to Washington D.C. and they had to fight to get five million back to fund their schools. So if they just kept their eight million, they would have been doing better off. So, you know, I'm all for, you know, states being in more control of everything, not just education. And so, you know, in, in Jefferson, you know, what you were talking about earlier about being educated, Jefferson said the republic depends on, on, on the populace being educated. We are not a democracy. The media, the left, even the Republican Party would have you believe that we are a democracy and that the people only have a say five minutes of the year. When they go in and pull the lever for whatever person they want to vote for president, that's not what Franklin was talking about when he was talking to Mrs. Powell on the steps of the Philadelphia Convention Hall when he said, if you can keep it. it it's a day, everyday kind of thing to try to keep the republic, and that's what we should be, be involved in. Whether you're a Democrat, Republican, or Libertarian, you should want to keep the boundaries of that republic, not – Form into uh, you know a, a democracy. That's what they want us to be as a democracy that always falls into oligarchy, where just a few are in charge, or it's a mob rule, or it's it's two it's two wolves and a sheep voting on what's for dinner. I mean that's not what we are. We are not a democracy. And you know just before I, I, we wrap this up, I I, I do want to say a few things about Pearl Harbor. Um, I have. A few relatives that were that were in the Pacific War, and I do want us to understand. You know, we did li- live through 9/11, um, but you know, in at the attack of Pearl Harbor, 2,403 people were killed. Uh, Americans were killed, and that, and then 68 civilians were killed. Uh, four battleships were sunk. Uh, four others were damaged. Uh, numerous other ships were were sunk. Uh, we had 1,178 men that were wounded, and I, I just want to talk about this one veteran. His name is Lauren Brunner, and he was one of the five remaining survivors from the USS Arizona, and he was burnt over two-thirds of his body in third-degree burns, and he took a couple of years off from 1941 to 43 to heal, and then he reenlisted in the Navy to go and fight the Japanese. That's the kind of American spirit that I hope that I have inside of me. I hope that I can share it with my children. I hope that I can pass it on to anyone that comes in contact with me, whether it's on my Periscope channels, my Facebook Live, on your radio show, or, or, or wherever it is. Is that man is a true American hero, and instead of talking about whether Trump's cabinet is racist or white supremacist or, you know, uh, whatever the leftist narrative of today is to weaken Trump or weaken this movement or, or weaken the Constitution or, or make sure we believe we're in a democracy and not a republic, we need to think about these kind of men that sacrificed all to defend the Constitution, even when it was hard. And when you're talking about even flag burning, and it's hard 
to sit and watch a flag being burnt by some stupid idiot writer. <laughs> they're not a protester. They're an idiot, and they have a right to be an idiot in America. It's hard, but you have to defend the Constitution, and I just I want to encourage everyone to learn the Constitution, learn the system, learn the boundaries of the federal government and your state government, understand who your elected officials are, and create relationships with them. That doesn't mean call them up when you're mad. It doesn't mean protest when you're mad. That means actually create relationships with these people and hold them accountable, and let's keep the republic. Let's keep the Republic for men, for men like this guy who had two-thirds of his body burnt and re-enlisted to fight the Japanese. How unbelievable is that? You know, um, I open up tonight with uh, a salute to everybody, uh, pretty much everybody, that fought in World War II. And Pearl Harbor is the reason that America entered into World War II. Uh, and if you look at the intestinal fortitude of America back then, it was like, no, you're not going to mess with me. This is not going to happen. We're going to end it across the board. America has always been a country that fights back. We're not going to sit there and push some agenda on you. Uh, well, uh, unless you look at the past you know, 20 or 30 years, we're not going to push an agenda on you. We're going to, you know, we'll take our hit. We'll take our lump, and then we're going to come back at you with pretty much everything we've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of the attitude uh, of America. That's, that's, that even goes into uh, immigrants that have come here legally and done what it took to become an American. All these illegal immigrants that we're looking at, and this is something that actually goes to, um, you know, one of the, the campaign promises of President-elect. I'm going to build a wall. Now, is it actually going to be a physical wall? I don't know. Will it be a wall of manpower where the border is actually closed off? No, you can't come this way. Turn around and go back. There's ways to get here. This is not it. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing that actually needs to be done. It's we're not a we're not a country of open borders like Germany, looking at going. Oh, oh you know, how did I do this? You know, this was completely wrong. Um, the kinds of right. things that Donald Trump is is doing right now, our president elect is doing right now, in the in the mindset of more Americans than will admit, he's doing the right thing. He's putting the right appointments in. As scary as they are, I mean, we've got you know th- three three generals minimum four. Um, this is probably the most that any administration has ever put forward. General Mattis needs a special waiver for Cong- Congress to be approved for Secretary of Defense. I would like that to happen. Do I fear that these appointments are going to undermine the Constitution of America? No, I don't think so because these men have shown intestinal fortitude, dedication to the oath that they swore at the very beginning of their career. They're not about Mm -hmm. money. They're not about politics. They're about the right thing for America, which is defending America against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And 
our current administration has negated that. They have, they've been fired. These men that have worked so hard, dedicated their lives to defending the American way of life, the Constitution of America, they've been fired. They've been belittled. They've been uh, sidelined. They've been forced to retire. We're not saying that we are the be-all, end-all of everything that needs to be the way it needs to be. At least I'm not. America has been a shining beacon of freedom, liberty, justice. And when you look at the kinds of things, when people come here and immigrate here, legally or illegally, and they look at the things that are going on, they're like, I just left this kind of stuff. Why would I want to? Why would I, you know, want to live here? Other than the fact yeah. that y'all seem to make a whole lot of money. But right. why? Well, I, I left this kind of thing. So why yeah. is it? You know, when you look at, you know, what you know, President-elect Trump is doing, it might be kind of scary at front because these people may or may not know how to do the job that he is assigning them. But I'll tell you what, the people that he is putting out there are probably the right ones for the job. It doesn't make any right. difference what it happens to be. Some of, some of these jobs, you know, the secretary of this and secretary of that, some of it's just redundant, and it's, it's probably people that should not be doing anything anyway. I mean, you had a secretary of war at one time, and when there was no war, that person didn't have a job. So, I mean, right. I, I get what you're saying, and – you know, as a people, you know, we submit, we allow ourselves to be governed by the republic that's been established. It's a yeah. social contract. The Constitution is a social contract between the governors and the people. And when that social contract is being broke down, whether it be by the people or because you got people that try to do it, but the Bernie Sanders crowd or the revote crowd or even the, you know, the people that are just, uh, you know, Occupy Wall Street or whatever have no, you know, have no clue. They're just failing, and that's okay. That's their right. But there's a contract between the people and the government, and those of us that do try to stay educated in in, in the system and the form in the form of government that we have in the Constitution and the and the laws, et cetera. And try to stay informed and try to figure out what's going on and how, the, you know, maybe this person is stepping out of their boundary and they're, they're welding power and, and, and control that they don't necessarily have lawfully. And we need to stop that person or we need to yeah. highlight that that person stepped out of bounds with, you know, like Obama in his pen. That's the maximum uh, example. But there's a lot of those Obamas all through our system. And that we all need to address those individual people. The first thing is that we have to learn the system. I mean, do you know who your school superintendent is? Do you know who your town manager is? You've got to understand these people because these people aren't elected. When a school superintendent comes in and says, I want the job, they go before the school board, which we elect. And the school board asks that question. The two questions they say, well, how much federal money have you been able to bring in and how much, how many lawsuits, how, how, much, how do you understand Title IX so that we stay in, uh, in uh, the boundaries of, of Title IX? They don't care about anything else. And then that superintendent actually runs the school system. It's not the yep. people that you elect. And that's a problem. You've got to understand the system. You've got to learn your individual systems in your county because they're all different. 
The sheriff is supposed to have more control than he does nowadays. The federal government is trying to federalize the police force and all these other things. And you've got to get into this system and the workings of this system and understand who are the players. And all they are are people. They're just foost, they're just people on a foosball table. You're the guys on the outside holding the handles. You're the people yeah. that were keeping this public. You're the Mrs. Powell that Franklin was talking about. And you're supposed to be controlling those people so that they push the ball down towards the goal that you want. And that's what you have to understand in America today is that the system has gotten so out of control or it's so huge that it's hard to figure out. And you have it takes time and education to do it. I mean, Jefferson said the only way you're going to do it is through practice, habit, and long practice. You have to stay engaged. You have to learn the system, and then you can fight the system. If you don't know the system, if you can't tell me who your school superintendent is, you don't know the system, and I've been there. And I, you know uh, me, yeah. Keeper. You know, you know my, my resume where I've been in Washington, D.C. I've stood up in front of Hillary Clinton 10 feet away from her and said she lied about Benghazi. I went to the border. I did all these things. But most of the time, I was just keeping the democracy instead of fighting for the republic. And that's what we got to do these days is fight for Absolutely. The Matthew, i I, I got to wrap things up here. We're no longer live. Um, if you are listening on the phone and you were lucky enough to hear the rest of the program tonight, thank you very much for hanging in there. Um, if you also would be willing to share what we're talking about tonight, because we did run into a little bit of overtime, thank you for mu- thank you very much for doing so. Um, you know, Matthew, you had I could I could sit there and have conversations with you, you know, show after show after show after show. Um, you've yeah. been an amazing guest, an amazing participant in tonight's show, and um, you're more than welcome to chime in any one of the future shows. This program is every Wednesday. It starts at 7 p.m. Eastern time. If you are in California or somewhere along the East Coast or in Pacific time, it starts at 4 o'clock, and you can check it out in archive or on uh, iTunes. You can download it or listen to it on Spreaker. Dot com. Just search for Keepers Mind Pool. Everybody, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for being a part of the conversation. And we're going to rock out of here with a little bit of Pilot Hill. And I don't have permission to play this, but I think I can probably get away with it. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. I will see you next week on Keepers Mind Pool right here next Wednesday. Good night, everybody. Have a great week. We will rise against even though we don't know where we should begin Even though we can't see around the bend Oh, we know, we know that we will rise again
around the 